Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Happy Thanksgiving. That's right. It's Thanksgiving. That's Mrs. Pearlmania's favorite time of year. It's the best holiday. It's your absolute favorite. I literally just pulled a pie out of the oven. Yep. You pulled a pie out of the oven. You're making deviled eggs. Mm -hmm. And during that time, you finished reading a book. Yeah. Well, I finished writing the notes on a book. I finished this a while back. (laughs) I I was on on the laptop while baking pies. Yep. It's very busy Wednesday. Other people uh go drinking yeah other people go out they go to their hometown bars they run into people they went to high school with a nightmare you're just ex-lovers ex-enemies i'd rather be writing a book report while baking pie than see the people i went to high school with which is exactly what you did and so (laughs) we have decided to give a thanksgiving treat Mm -hmm. to all of our listeners especially the ones who are traveling during this thanksgiving period Mm -hmm. where they have to go on long drives maybe planes trains automobiles and they don't have a dvd player with them or maybe you're just sitting in the living room surrounded by your family and you don't want to hear them so you have at least one ear pod in yep right now and you're listening to to us which is why today we have a very special mrs p's book club with a very special theme That's right. It's a book club episode, which means no hey huns, nope. no extra special introductions. We just like to remind you to support your local libraries, make sure that you're reading plenty of books, make sure you're drinking plenty of water. Yeah, you know what? Stay hydrated. Stay everybody. hydrated. Again, occasionally, especially as we're going into wintertime, <laughs> take a walk outside. Expose, <laughs> Get your vitamin D up. Expose your skin to sun for like <laughs> 10 minutes a day. I feel like you're talking to yourself. Maybe. I might be doing that while talking to people who are mm. just just drunk on turkey and <laughs> well, hopefully White Claws. Whoa. 
Okay. okay. Good family fun. Yeah. So book club for yes. maybe a new listener who doesn't know about Mrs. P's book club. Yeah, which is different than Mr. P's book report. That was a that was a one off. I don't read books. Voted on. Yeah. That was a whole thing. Yep. That's not the norm. Nope. The Mrs. P's book club a little bit more norm. A little bit more normal. Um, We're used to it. So the way that this usually goes is that I read a book. Uh, I'll read a fiction book. And then I will uh, try to explain the book I just read to Alex. And the thing you got to know is I'm going to spoil this book. If you were hoping to read this book, uh, pause, go read the book, and then come back. But warning, I'm going to spoil this book. So this book um, is called A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. And it was actually mailed to me um, by a listener of our book club who thought I would like it. Yeah, it was mailed to our P.O. box, Mm -hmm. which you can find the full address for in the show notes. If you're a listener who has something you want to send to us, whether that be a card or just maybe another book that you want to recommend. And even if we don't like the book, we will donate it to a library. <laughs> yeah, so we- I, I will let you know that. It's not like we're going to get it and be like, oh, this book stinks. Animorphs again? <laughs> oh, the second horny elf book? No. That we, they I won't wonder go- how many copies of that second horny elf book are going our way. They are so many, <laughs> I think. It's going to be full of them. You know what? If we hit 750 patrons, I'll read the second. <laughs> no. I'll say it now. You can't make those announcements I'm on gonna, Mrs. P Book Club. Oh, yes, I can. Because that's, these are the real people who care about books. <laughs> so with that being said, yeah. we are here. Uh-huh. It's Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's we're, why I picked this book. We're going to get stuffed on a certain hunger yeah. by Chelsea G. Summer. Yeah. Mrs. P, are you ready to explain this book to me? Yeah. Mr. P, are you ready to listen to it? Why am I talking to I myself don't know. like this? I have I the energy. Like the sound You're of very your voice. tired. <laughs> I'm very tired. You're very tired. So with that, we're gonna take our first page turn. Okay. And then you are gonna start us at chapter one. Okay. Pearl Mania, Pearl Mania, Pearl Mania, Pearl Mania, 500. Okay, so the reason I picked this book when it was mailed to us is I read the back of it and I realized that this book is about um, eating people. Mm-hmm. People. People. Eating people. Eating people. Okay. So here's a warning. If uh, the thought of eating people is a little too gross, yeah, and and the thoughts about how you might get people parts to eat a little too gross, yeah, maybe you don't listen to this one. So you're talking about cannibalism. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So this this Thanksgiving treat <laughs> is a book about cannibalism. Gotcha. Understood. <laughs> yeah. So this book, um, here's what I'll say out of the gate, I didn't love this book. Okay. It was so hard for me to read. It took a lot of effort to get it's a, not even that big of a book you can know it's it's really like it's it took me days to get through it because the way that it's written if you've been thinking about reading this book you know and you can get through what i'm about to say then you'll you probably will enjoy it but i found it to be in the voice of okay Picture Samantha from Sex and the City and the way that she used to talk. Which one's Samantha? The really uh, overly sexual one. Okay, not the red. The red. I always think Miranda. Whenever anybody says no, Sex Miranda's and the City, the lawyer with the red hair. No, I know. No. I know, but I always Miranda. Mannequin. You know, I know who I know who Samantha <laughs> is now. It just took me a second. Um. So, in the Sex and the City, Samantha, the way that she speaks, okay, is like overly sexual all the time mm-hmm. and she uses like a very kind of like overwritten kind of pretentious way of speaking about things it's just 
it's her character was very overwritten in certain ways. Yeah. And so as I'm reading through this book, it's like I'm listening to Samantha, right? But at the same time, it's like Hannibal Lecter is also talking. And so we're the reason I know this is the reason. I know the reason is the main character we're gonna I'm gonna introduce you to is a food writer. Gotcha. Okay, so she's a food writer. So everything she's writing to us, because she is this is her her dialogue in her head about yeah. her story, this food writer. She is writing it like it's a nineteen nineties food and drink magazine article. It's so much. It is it like incredibly extensive vocabulary. It's almost unreadable. <laughs> so let me let me go ahead just to give the listeners just a, a little bit of side note on this. Just because yeah. I grabbed the book because it is a thin book. Yeah. It's really not that thick. Let's see total page count here at the end. 254 pages. Again, a quality paperback. Um, I opened up to page 127. Okay. And immediately that jumped out to me, Ferragamo pumps. <laughs> yeah. That is just right there. It's in the middle yeah. of a pair. It's the only, I'm not reading any other words. I just saw yeah. Ferragamo pumps. Okay. Yeah. That you were saying second in the city as I opened <laughs> that page. Exactly. The second thing, I didn't even read the blurb that's actually about the book. I went mm. right to the blurb about the author on the very back. It says, Chelsea G. Summers is a freelance writer whose work focuses on sex, politics, tech, fashion, and culture. And right there... I'm I'm okay, I got it. Yeah. This is if Carrie Bradshaw mm-hmm. was horny mm-hmm. and a cannibal. Yeah, actually cuz Carrie Bradshaw in the show Sex is a, is a writer. Yeah. But this doesn't sound like Carrie's voice. No, I know, but I'm going with the journalistic yeah, writer yeah. feel type. I, okay. I, I'm just explaining to the listeners who may have listened to all of Sex and watched all of Sex and the City. Yeah. And then rewatched it during the panorama and realized it did not age well, except for Samantha. Who is no longer on the show? No, because she aged well. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna the, we're gonna, introduction. The main character, her name is Dorothy Daniels. Okay. Wait, isn't the main character? Oh no, her name is Chelsea. Okay. That's the writer. Okay. The main character's name is Dorothy Daniels. I already don't like an alliterative name. I'm gonna throw <laughs> that out there. It's very Lois Lane, Lana Lang, Lex Luthor. Uh-huh. Like, there's a certain thing with things like that where you notice it and you're like, yeah, Dorothy mm, Daniels. Dorothy Daniels. Like, with also our- I. Listen, we're going to get into the the sexiness of the late 90s and 2000s and like how hot to trot this gal is. And Dorothy just isn't the name, you know? Yeah, it's Dorothy just, Daniels. <laughs> anyway, so we the book opens and Dorothy is sitting at the Nomad Hotel Bar um, in downtown New York City. And she's drinking um, a cocktail called the Corpse Reviver Number no. 2. And she's... Uh, just ima- she's imagining the background story of this cocktail that she's drinking, right? She's overanalyzing it. I think it was four pages, just a description of this fucking cocktail. Okay. And she's going on. Um, oh, real quick. Just yeah. because you mentioned the late 90s, early 2000s a bunch of times. Yeah. This book came out in 2020. I'm looking at the copyright date here in the front of the yeah. book. So just so people know, this was published in LA in 2020. So yeah. there is no, this was... The late 90s or this is 2010 looking back. Like, no, no this is... This is someone... This writing. came out right around the pandemic. Okay? <laughs> yes. So put your head in that brain. Right. Um, okay, so she's at the bar. She's having this drink. She's overthinking it. Yeah. She's just yeah. really talking it up. Yeah. Um, but then there's a... She talks about how she likes to go to bars. Because, again, she lives in New York. 
But she goes to bars like the Nomad Hotel, which is a weird choice because when you live somewhere, you don't usually go drinking at hotels. Yeah, that is weird. But she starts discussing how she likes to go where the wanderers go. Okay. She likes to go where the nomads go. Again, Nomad Hotel, a little maybe on the nose. Yeah. Um, And there's a man across the bar looking at her. Okay. And she's like, okay, what's good? To this guy, his name is Casimir. And he sends her a drink across the bar. Okay, Casimir sends Dorothy Casimir Daniels sends a drink. Casimir sends Dorothy Daniels a drink. All right. And she thinks he is super hot and decides she wants to fuck. Okay. She's down. Okay. And so they go uh, back to a hotel room upstairs. Yeah. Hers or his. I don't remember. I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> and they go up to the hotel room and they get it on. Okay. And then for like days, weeks, they just keep meeting up and keep fucking. That's... They're just doing that. How descriptive is the fucking? It's pretty descriptive. Okay. Because remember when I read you the Horny Elf book, it was yeah. like one thrust and they were like, oh my God. No, no, no. Hers is very descriptive to the point where I was like, I would just like to be done this paragraph now. <laughs> okay. I don't know how many different ways we need to explain the way a penis looks. Okay. <laughs> but when you're a food writer, apparently, yeah, it's going to have a lot. It reminded me of the neck of a turkey. <laughs> Yes, very that. That type of feel? The delicious firm meat of a turkey. Oh, man. Emptying the gizzards from my insides oh. before deeply roasting me. <laughs> As he pulled the stuffing. Okay. No, the little t- the little thermometer popped on it. Whenever. Oh, I okay. Go. Yeah. So anyway, they're doing that for a while. She's talking about it. Horny Thanksgiving is gross. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Horny Thanksgiving is not. That feels like seven. That feels like seven. It's like when you mix gluttony yeah. with lust. You shouldn't. You can't those, mix you don't, don't cross those no. two. That feels a lot like clown sex. Yeah. You it's a thing that I don't like. You gluttony and sloth. Those two can go together. Easy yeah, peasy. Yeah, they can. Easy peasy. Give me some gluttony and some but sloth. don't bring the horniness in. No. We need to relax. So she's fucking Casimir left, right, and center. center. And then um, she decides that she's gonna they're gonna go away together on like a little mini vacay out of the city okay so they go to fire island where is fire island it's like north of new york city i believe is it okay i've never known because like fire island's one of those things that i heard about and then one day it seemed like everyone knew where fire island was and then someone was like yeah it's gay and i'm like it's a gay island and i'm like okay yes but like i thought fire island would be in like the caribbean because i thought you'd want to be warm yeah, and once you start describing it's like north of Jersey yeah. or like Martha's Vineyard area. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, it's cold. It's like gray. Warm. So you get like what, two weeks a year where it's like hot enough to be able to wear an open shirt? Yeah. How good. is that the gay island? That's what I want to know. <laughs> and then they call it Fire Island. But again, it's cold. This is very Iceland Greenland. Yeah. Is, I feel like everyone involved in this is being scammed. Yeah. Okay, so they go to Fire Island. So they Island. go to Fire Island where she uh, a friend of hers is letting her stay in her the house. Like they her friends own a house up there. So they're going to this house and they, you know, cook a beautiful dinner. There's like foie oh, pardon me, foie gras and other like delicious foods and we're talking about them. We're just talking about the foods. And It's off of Long Island. There you go. Fire Island's off of Long Island. We like, how map. is this? What the fuck? You want to go there? No. It's the barrier of Long Island. Yeah. This sounds like a fucking nightmare. Well, so anyway, they cook all these fancy foie gras, and they have a lot of hot, hot sex. Wait, foie gras, that's when you stuff the... The, the duck liver. The duck liver. Yeah. So she's torturing ducks. Isn't foie gras illegal in New York? 
Nah, that can't be true. I feel like that was made illegal. That was one of those weird ones where they came up where like oh, people yeah. kept saying things need to be illegal. I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna admit to something terrible on this podcast. I fucking love fuck crap. <laughs> I have gotten down with some fucker on my past. Uh, oh, it's only the only state law in place is a ban on production in California. Yes. Okay. You can still eat it in California. You just. Oh my god! Look at the picture of the making. No, don't. Oh my god! No. This is horrifying. Oh no! When I used to work um, in uh, downtown, I want to. Oh wait, actually, that restaurant's out of business, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. When I used to work at Lebec Femme, yeah, we would have protesters like monthly outside of our restaurant yeah. protesting the the sheer amount so, of foie gras we were selling can i tell you i've had yeah. foie gras yeah you know and uh do you know what it tastes like to me what it tastes like scrapple yeah it is it's like fancy scrapple it's fancy scrapple i don't understand why you need to torture a duck okay we don't need to get goose. into this right now i think we do <laughs> i think we do or else how are we gonna raise our, we're, we're gonna raise our child in a household that's okay with Goose torture? <laughs> One time I drove all the way to Montreal just to go to a foie gras restaurant. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then you're like, oh, I don't like the cannibalism book. You're the monster. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm aware of myself. Okay. So they're fucking in this house. They're fucking Fireplace. In- yep. Eating fancy foie gras and other fine foods. Yep. And then- uh, Are they eating off of each other? It does seem that way. Okay. Because this feels very, um, we eat off of each other's chests. Type and of then uh, she's going to make a cocktail. Going to make a cocktail. She grabs the ice pick and she stabs him in the neck. Okay. And uh, stabs him in the heart after that. Okay. And then covers his body with um, alcohol and other things and sets the whole place on fire. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it turns out that that wasn't her friend's house. It was just some like uh, summer rental that yeah. she knew was empty. Okay. And in her words, she knew they she figured they had to have had homeowners insurance because there was a locker set pot on the kitchen counter. <laughs> but we have locker set hot pots. I know. And I have let our home insurance collapse. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Um so yeah, she set the whole house on fire to hide the murder. I scene. would have assumed they had home home renters insurance home home insurance. Yeah. Because it's a rental. Yeah. That would have been my near the water. It's, it's their third home. Near like, their wa- near water. Yeah, exactly. On an island. Yeah. Of course. Off of Long Island, Unless apparently. you're in Florida, because they don't believe in homeowners insurance. They can't get it anymore. Um, uh, but so, yeah. Okay. So she goes, she fucks, fucks, fucks this guy, eats, eats, eats with him, yep. and then murders him and lights the house on fire. Yeah, to hide her tracks. And her name is? Dorothy Daniels. Okay. okay. Sounds like a bad porn name, by the way. Dorothy um, Daniels, I think, <laughs> is a porn name. So, or like Danny Daniels. Is that a Danny Daniels? That's I don't kind know. of the end of the first chapter. That's the first chapter? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. This book sucks. Uh, hey, what? you're not allowed to say that this early in the game. Oh, I can. <laughs> no, you're not. All right. So uh, we, we find out she's telling us the story. Again, this is all her perspective. Everything we're hearing is her perspective. So do we trust the author? <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. Um, but she's te- we, we find out she's telling us this entire story of her of her life of what she experienced from prison oh okay. so she's in prison currently okay and she's complaining about prison she hates talking about how she doesn't like the people she hates the food oh i'm shocked it's that she hates boring. the prison food <laughs> super oh, boring oh no Aramark's not good enough for her shut up <laughs> um so then she starts like talking about like her college experience and like because she went to a small college in new england and there were, out of like 3,500 undergrads there, 2,400 of them were men, right? So there's 
she's really outnumbered her and her gal pals okay. at school and she starts talking about how she fucking fucked her way through school dude she had sex with as many people as possible okay she was getting them grades and getting that d yeah okay? okay she said it way more eloquently with way more vocabulary and it took a lot more pages to get through what i just said <laughs> you know what i got already, now i'm starting to feel why you talked about the 90s 2000 vibes because this is very much that uh that feeling that that like liberated woman yeah feeling means i can fu- i can be really fucking horny yeah at mm-hmm. everybody and nobody can say anything can't say shit to me yeah so yes it there is when this um character or author i don't know who is to blame here but there is like this feminist overtone but it's like every time there's any amount of what would probably be considered like third wave feminism it just gets its ankles knocked out from under it with their behavior. Yeah. <laughs> just like other dumb shit that gets said. And you're just like, I can't take your, in quotes, feminism seriously because you say the wildest shit. Yeah. And as we get through this, you'll see it gets way worse than just that. But yeah. Um, so she sleeps around. But here's the thing. This, this is, again, you can be super horny in your 20s and have sex with everybody at school. That's totally cool. I love that for you. Yeah. Have a great time. Yeah. Um. Her whole thing is that every time she's sleeping with these guys, she starts trying to find compromising information on them. Oh. Because she's decided that she doesn't want to get um, like a stigma. She doesn't want people to think she's a slut. Okay. So every time she sleeps with someone, she gets dirt on them. So that if they ever try to say some shit like she slept with them, she like blackmails them and lets them know. Oh, okay. So that seems healthy. Yeah. Super that new- seems not Catholic at all. <laughs> And like some of the dirt she pulls up is like one of the guys she slept with. She found out he had a three way with uh, two of his cousins. Uh, another guy. What level cousin? <laughs> I think it was first. And I oh think, no! And gross. I think it was one was a guy, one was a gal. Oh okay. So, so he had a so he had a, little, a devil's triangle with, with his close cousins. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, Dad, no- sisters, kids. <laughs> Nah, that's not great. <laughs> Another guy had uh, never handed in a paper he wrote himself, so she knew. How that. is that blackmailable? That just means he's smart. <laughs> Another guy had been pretending to be French for a scholarship, and it turns out he wasn't French. How the fuck? <laughs> How do you get a French scholarship? He's not even trying to pretend. Oh my god, French. I don't know. She could have at least like Liz Warren him a little bit on that. Be like, I actually got the genetics. He's a liar. Um, also, we get introduced to her college roommate, Emma. Okay. Okay. So Emma's her uh, college roommate. Let me guess. Her name's Emma Emilyson. <laughs> to stick with the. I don't. I didn't even write down her last name. Let's be honest. Because she's that fun. No, I just. I was like, I don't know. Um. So Emma. Uh, hates her. Hates Dorothy. Well, duh. And sounds like Dorothy hates Dorothy. Uh, yep. And uh, after like one semester, Emma bounces, and like like it turns out that like Dorothy did weird stuff, like maybe like stealing stuff from her, maybe like lighting a something or other on fire, like, like her it, closet. Yeah, like weird like lit her sh- closet like on fire. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because we're hearing it from Dorothy's perspective, she's like Emma's just overreacting and moved out without telling me. Yeah. Meanwhile, but I feel like, like Emma was like really scared. Meanwhile, like, like every time Emma wakes up, Dorothy's standing over her with a knife, just sharpening it. <laughs> just like yeah. yeah, she lit my she lit my closet on fire. She won't stop bringing over men and blackmailing them after they've boned. Yeah. I need, she has. I need to focus on my grades. The, the desk drawer next to her bed is full of condoms that I've watched her poke holes into <laughs> while screaming voodoo chants. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. So very that. Okay. Um, Dorothy sucks. Dorothy so, sucks. Uh, so Emma moves out. That's it. The that, end. Yeah, we kind of we get introduced to Emma, and then Emma moves out. It feels like a waste of pages. Well, she's gonna come back. Ah, poor Emma. So okay, here's the thing. Then the chapter ends kind of abruptly, and we start talking about how Dorothy feels that she was born to be a food critic. And that's chapter two. <laughs> yeah, chapter two or oh, three. Let's I don't even speed know. it up. Okay, I'm trying. All right. So. Uh, uh, so she's a huge blackmailing slutty bitch. <laughs> and then she's like, but I really like food. All right, chapter four. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I relate. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so she, but she's like really, again, just like over talking herself about like how she was just like born to be a food critic. Like I it's just her in so her much. blood. I, and she admits that, um, she begrudgingly admits that men made her work possible. Okay. I'm going to get a little quotey here. In 90s New York, one had to know the right people to get ahead. And that's when Dorothy met Manhattan playboy Andrew Gotten at a restaurant called Beignet, which in 90s New York, I, there absolutely was a restaurant named Beignet. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, so on point. It's probably just French laundry. Um. Oh, my God. Uh. While they were partying, like they're like at Beignet, drinking, doing blow, eating food, yeah. you know, what you do in the 90s. Yeah, Garbage is playing in the background. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that song, Ready to Go. Remember that song? <laughs> I think she actually says exactly what song was playing. Oh, is it? <laughs> and, oh, okay. Over the thudding bass of CC Music Factory. Oh, shut the fuck <laughs> up. Okay, that's what? No, that doesn't even make fucking sense. That's just, a, that's word salad. She picked word salad? Mm-hmm. Because a fifth, just shut up. I hate and her. And they went, so they go home together that night, obviously. Yeah. In the morning, he's like, I want you to be the food critic for my new magazine. Magazine's okay. called Noir. I hate it. And she says, absolutely. I'm going to get paid $4,000 per column. And he goes, Okay. So that's the negotiation. Also, I didn't even put it in here. Um, she's completely covered in cum this whole time. What? Yeah. It's like this whole thing where she's like playing with cum that's on her, her belly button and she's negotiating the salary. It's really weird. This is fucking. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking for a button to press and he can't. I, I don't no have a button. button. There's I no button have for a this. Button. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm hold on. <laughs> no, we can't hold on. Dorothy is not holding on, okay? Okay. <laughs> That's that- the sad cum button. <laughs> okay. Sad cum button. Here comes Dorothy Daniels. You know what? Honestly, keep the sad cum button. We're gonna need that later. We're gonna need it? <laughs> yeah. Can I overwrite allegedly with something else? Because I have an idea. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So let me keep going. So now, Dorothy, after explaining to us how she got a job while uh, covered in cum and uh, negotiating a, a pretty spectacular salary, honestly, $4,000 a column, um, she talks about how her love of food truly began with her mother, 
right? And she talks about how when she was growing up, her mother had a big Connecticut garden that she tended faithfully. Her father was never home. He was working constantly and also constantly cheating on his mother. Um, and her, she describes her mother as ruling the house with a flowered fist, right? So like her mom's supposed to be like really mean and like kind of like aggressive about food. But then at the same time, she's describing this woman who has like an insane garden, spends all day every day out in the garden or cooking for the family. So she's describing how she eats like breakfast, lunch, and dinner is fresh made from like fresh made breads that have jelly that were from the fruit in the garden to like sandwiches that have the lettuce from the garden, soups that are all from vegetables in the garden. Like this is a woman who's like making everything. While they're living in Connecticut? They're living in Connecticut. So her mom's Martha Stewart. Yeah. Okay. And her dad is obscenely rich New York businessman, never home. Yeah. Just running amok. Yeah, cocaine cowboy. I got it. And so, but so she is like talking about how like she had this, when it comes to food, kind of like beautiful upbringing for food. Yeah. But the thing is, by the end of the chapter, you realize she fucking hates her mother's food and she hates that kind of food. And like, she didn't really like the food at all because she goes into this whole tangent about how her rebellion against her mother was eating McDonald's. And so like all of her teen years before she went away to college, she just like goes and eats McDonald's and eats junk food and candy. Cause like, it didn't seem like her mom was like one of those weird almond moms that like, yeah, you're not allowed to have those things. I think it was more like she was an ingredient mom. Yeah. You know, which there's, that's you. Yeah. That's, uh, that's you. I'm, I'm an a, ingredient person. You're an ingredient person. I'm full meal. I'm literally, yeah. I'm right now angry at Stouffer's. <laughs> I have opinions about the way the Stouffer's have changed pesto chicken. chicken. Yeah. The pesto chicken penne uh-huh. has changed uh-huh. and it's the quality of the chicken has changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm mad enough about it that I've been debating whether or not to begin a boycott. <laughs> oh, and Stouffer's. I know this all comes down to the federal reserve rate uh-huh. and now what they're using to restuff the chicken for pink slime yeah when they make reconstitute yeah it's wood chip it it actually tastes wood chippy it's wood chippy and i know what the difference is yeah yeah so so yeah she she's rebelling against her mother by being you (laughs) okay great i love this dorothy daniels fucking sucks so um she also talks a lot about how like during these years of rebellion with food she also makes girlfriends like in high school that are kind of like I don't know, maybe a little promiscuous for teen girls and they party and they go out and they teach her that femininity is, is, you know, kind of junk the way that food can be junk. Like femininity is junk. Okay. And it's something that can be weaponized for your own benefit. Right. Okay. So she's learning these skills from other teenage girls. So she's watching Party Monster. Mm -hmm. She's watching Party Monster with Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. This is just just say she party monster. And she the chapter ends with her uh, fucking the fry guy at a Burger King in the fry guy's car. What the fuck was that? That was piano electronic. I don't think you should press that again. Okay, I won't. I wanted I was hoping it was going to be a cooler button. I was really hoping it was going to be more like Republica. she fucks a burger king fry guy yeah like not even like a like a two-star restaurant and the way that she describes it is like a feminist manifesto yeah um she's a failure 
So then like after we get done learning about how she had sex behind a Burger King with the fry guy in his car, uh, we go back to prison. Oh, it was in the car? <laughs> yeah. That's even worse. <laughs> I thought she was at least fucking him like in the like in the Burger King. No. Like if she you're gonna waited fuck... outside in the to oh. meet him in his car. I had a friend of mine in okay. high school, right? Mm-hmm. And he worked. He actually was the fry cook at Burger King. He did not have sex with Dorothy Daniels. Worse though, he got really high one time and decided he didn't want to to leave the restaurant. Okay. To leave Burger King, to be done his shift. All right. He didn't want to walk through the Burger King. Okay. He decided to climb over the chain link fence. What? Okay. Where they had like the chain link fence enclosed mm-hmm. for the uh, dumpster and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, he like half climbed it, half jumped it, but the bottom corner of his Jenko jean got <laughs> caught on one of the chain links. <laughs> So he kind of swung down and he smashed his face into the sidewalk, losing his front top four teeth. He then sued Burger King. Okay, bet. And Burger King paid for him to get replacement teeth. Nice. But I'm just saying, that's who Dorothy Daniels fucked. Okay. (laughs) A man in Jenko jeans. Oh my God. Stop pressing buttons. That scared the shit out of me. I'm having so much fun right now. Um... So we go back to prison and she's just talking about how I keep forgetting she's already she's in, prison. in prison and she's talking about how much could you fun imagine she has. being her fucking cellmate and being like, shut the fuck up. I'm in here for tax evasion <laughs> or like I I couldn't get a sitter for my kids uh-huh. and I wanted them to go to a better school. Yeah. So I lied about where our apartment was. Yeah. And now I'm in jail next to Miss Covered Income. <laughs> She fucked, she murdered a man and then sits around all day talking about how she blew a guy who used to be a fry cook at Burger King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Back when they had onion rings. She keeps mentioning back when they had onion rings. That's when it was good. That's when it's good. Um, No, she's in prison and she's just kind of like talking about how she really enjoys all the medical and psychiatric students that are coming to interview her because she's, um, what's it called? Psychotic? She's like a, a, a serial killer. Yeah, basically. she's like a test case. We're gonna find no. We're gonna find out she's the, basically a serial killer. No, no. Well, I figured as much. Or else there wouldn't have been a book. Yeah, the book would have been called "How I Fucked a Fry Cook." <laughs> what what, was just, what was that gonna be? I work at a gas station. The book. Um. um anyway, a year. So it was a year into her sentence. We both which, said um at the same yeah, time. Uh, and you know what that was? What? Pretty funky. <laughs> I'm going to need you to get off the switchboard immediately. We're never going to get through this. Okay. How many chapters um, we through so far? I Who could possibly know? Okay. Um. So she's talking about like how she likes the psych students because they make her feel important. Mm-hmm. And she's unsure if she regrets killing anybody. And honestly, she doesn't regret it. And she'd probably do it all again. Okay. That's that's her. That's um, her whole thing? That's her whole thing. She doesn't regret it. She'd do it again. Okay. Really mm-hmm. smart thing to be telling people in case... She, I'm guessing she's not up for parole anytime no. soon. Um, so she starts discussing um, this relationship she has with this guy, Marco. Okay. And Marco is, in quotes, the most important, most long-lasting man she's ever been with. Okay. okay. She is... Um, what's it like when you can't have... You don't have normal emotions. Like, I don't think she knows what love is. Okay. So she's like psychotic? Yeah, like psych... A sociopath. Sociopathic. That's okay. it. So she's like a sociopath. and Yeah, but she's but she's book 90 sociopath. Yeah. Because this is... You know what this is reading like? This is mm-hmm. reading like American Psycho 2. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This very much feels like American Psycho 2. You're going to keep too. that right in your pocket. Okay. 
so because like when she's describing her relationships it's very clear that like she really loves marco but she doesn't understand that or she doesn't process that the same way other people would okay so anyway she meets this guy marco in italy in 1983, during her college semester abroad. 1983 or 1993? 83. 83, okay. Um, yeah, oh God, this book, back and forth in the timeline. Yeah, I can feel that We go already. from prison, we go to the 80s, we go to the 90s, 2000s, back to prison. Okay. It's a whole thing. So it's 1983. If you hit a button, I swear. And we're in Italy. Um, the So there's their college semester abroad. He had already finished his program, was but was lingering around the town that they were in. It's like uh, Siena, I believe it was called. Okay. Um, she finds him to be more agreeable than most of the other Italian men that are around. And she's describing in detail about how, you know, she's followed, she's catcalled, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, as she's describing why she loves Marco so much, it the chapter, like, diverts for a moment to, like, this stalker that she gets that was, like, following her to and from her apartment. And her stalker... Um, at one point does in fact rape her on the walk home to her apartment. And she, the way in which I just told you that factually, that is how factually it's described. It is insane because this book, this, this person wrote this, this book has so much verbiage. And then when they're talking about this thing where she is stalked for weeks and then raped at her apartment door, it's just like, so that happened anyway and i was just like what the fuck dude yeah it was wild but meanwhile she described the oysters as a 15 year old's imagination of conolingus yeah mm-hmm. okay just want to yeah yeah so anyway we're gonna skip over it the same way she did i okay. guess um go right back to marco marco uh marco's described as like uh, he almost like a goth emo guy like he wears like eyeliner Okay. And he's like a little gothy Italian, which is like, when I'm picturing an 80s goth Italian, that is everything, honestly. Yeah. You know what I'm picturing? What? Italian Neil Gaiman. Yes. That's what I'm picturing. Exactly what I'm picturing. Okay. So, Italian Neil Gaiman. Um, Dorothy really likes him, but she has one big problem. She can't find any dirt on him. Because again, she only likes to bang dudes when she can get dirt on them. Okay. So she has some type of exit strategy. Okay. Because <laughs> she loves blackmail. Okay. Um, and after weeks and weeks of dating, she finds a business card in his apartment. Right. It's like like kind of like stuck outside of a trash can, and on this business card it says David, uh, Icky. I can't say this name. I A C H. I-N-O. Iacchino? Sure. Sure. David Iacchino. And David has an E at the end of it. So apparently, Iacchino is a Jewish name in Italy. Okay. Okay. So it turns out that uh, Marco is actually David. And David is a Jewish butcher from Rome. And he has been kind of going back and forth between where they are and Rome um because he has like a whole life there oh and he's just like been going out to you know sienna with her for like weeks of time and then he disappears and he like tells her gives her all kinds of excuses as to why you know he has family things blah blah so he's the most italian man in the world yeah is what you're explaining to me (laughs) is that he is he has a secret life uh uh, that he's abandoning back in rome yeah to go out there to be with dorothy daniels dorothy daniels 
Because let me tell you, trot. Dorothy, yeah, Daniels. Dorothy Daniels, because that's what I would want, a young American woman named Dorothy Daniels, who has a very weird relationship with not only her mother, mm-hmm. but also food. So the, the here's the thing. He is um, what's called a shoquette, and I am probably saying that wrong. That is a very specific type of Jewish Orthodox butcher. Okay. Okay. So he's a uh, a Jewish butcher. He makes the kosher food. He makes the kosher food, and he's from a family of butchers, a long lineage of butchers. Okay. And like survived Mussolini. <laughs> yep. And this is like a big deal. This is like at least a year of training in Jewish Orthodox religion. Yeah. Um. Historically, if you are a Jewish butcher, you would be right under the rabbi when mm-hmm. it comes to like um like social settings like yeah. that's how you're revered right because it's so much study and knowledge and you could lose all of that by being seen with dorothy daniels eating pork products no less whoa, whoa. were well, they eating pork they were together? eating pork they were eating italian porks and shrimps and stuff oh, on the coast okay so so he when he goes out he goes out he goes out <laughs> okay so so he's not only cheating on his wife but he's also cheating on god yep okay so it turns out yeah he's married um i, I assume that just because he's italian yeah <laughs> I assume that because he's lying about his second life, there's definitely an Italian <laughs> wife at home. An Italian Jewish wife. And she's like, ah, oi, gabagoo. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, so she, tell, she tells him that she finds out that he is uh, a Jewish butcher shop owner. But he does, she doesn't just tell him. She actually goes to Rome. Like she has like actually she flew home to America because like they're like back and forth at this point. Okay. She goes home to America, comes back later, and then flies right into Rome and then surprises him at the butcher shop. And I was like, guess what I know about you? Sneak okay. sneak. This feels very Joey Buttafuoco. And um so he's like she pretends to be a customer when she's in the shop and he's like, Meet me at this place, and then they go back to her hotel room and they you know, fuck. Yeah. And this becomes the pattern. She travels to and from Italy for years. And every time she comes to Italy, he disappears from his wife and his fa- his company and all this stuff. And they spend, you know, days or weeks together. And then he goes back to his life and she flies back to America. Okay. Right? So she's in like a long-term relationship with Marco. That seems it's sustainable. It's a real fucked up. It seems, seems sustainable. Honestly? Yeah. Oh, no. I have to go to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> to... Eat delicious foods. Oh, God. Um, so she goes back to America after her last time with Marco. And she's like bouncing around jobs. I'm not even getting into this. But she has like all these different food writing jobs happening. She's writing books. She's traveling around. She's sure. becoming very successful. I'm just being saying a food sure. Critic. I don't yeah. believe any of it. I'm just sure. letting you know what the yeah. book told me. Everybody dance now. <laughs> so... See, music fact. Like, you could have at least picked, like, what was the pump up the jams? No, I would have picked some, like, dark wave. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, something like, like, yeah, dark wave. Echo and the Bunny Man, at least. Yeah. Something like, have something that makes more. New wave. Yeah. Fuck, come on. Go with a little bit more of a BDSM vibe to it. Damn. Everybody. (laughs) So. Maybe um, some Millie Vanilli. Whoa. Um, so she gets sent back to Italy to do a story. Now, this time she's not going to fuck around with Marco. For There's like something. I don't think Marco wants to hang with her. Maybe. I don't really remember. Because she's fucking blackmailing him. But she goes to back to Italy because she's going to do a story on truffles. This is in the, like, the year 2000, 2001. So and she's been blackmailing this man now for 17 years? 
Yeah. He said it started in, in 1983. Yeah. Well, she doesn't formally blackmail him. She just goes to his butcher shop in Rome but that's yearly what I'm saying, but I'm saying. and coercively convinces him to cheat on his wife. So, so but, but let's go ahead and assume now, <laughs> right? We got to assume that she's Not around good. 35. Yeah. Okay. She's mm-hmm. around 35 by this point. Yep. Because she was around 18 or 19 when this started. Yep. In 1983. Uh-huh. She's now it's now 17 years later. Yep. So she's somewhere in her mid to late 30s. I just want to establish that because I feel like the way this book has been going, that this book doesn't establish that. Yeah. They just throw dates at you and they just go, yeah, sure. You'll we wanted, it out. We wanted the vibe for this scene to feel like Miami Vice. So she's going to go do a story on truffles and all the things about truffles in Italy, which honestly, for the year 2000 and 2001... Is very on the nose. Yeah. As someone who was there working in fine dining, fucking truffles were a whole fucking thing. I remember the one restaurant we had like shaved white truffles. Yeah. And you could pay to have them brought to the table by um, the one, not the cheesemonger, the other guy. He was like a truffle monger. We just had a truffle monger at the restaurant. Yeah. And he would come up and he would shave, like it would be like one slice of white truffle and it would be an extra $100 to your bill. You know what? Um, Number one, there's an episode of... Uh, Miz and Maurice. Yeah. <laughs> Miz and Mrs. <laughs> uh, which was a WWE reality show yeah. about the, Mike the Miz Mizanin uh-huh. and his wife, uh, Maurice. Yep. And she's pregnant. Yep. And she wants... She really wants truffle pasta. I and they, they bring out this giant bread bowl yep. of pasta. And then they bring out the thing. And they're just shaving it into it. And meanwhile, Miz is pretending like he's freaking out about how much this cost. It's like a $1,200 plate of pasta yeah. by the time it's done. And she's rolling her eyes in the back of her head as she's eating the pasta. But meanwhile, he's like, we're expensing all of this to the yeah, reality show. Reality show. Um, but yeah, back in back in the t- early 2000s, truffles were a big deal. But the next thing I was going to say is, mm. it annoys me that only in foods can you monger. Yeah, we should monger other things. Yeah, you have cheesemongers, you have uh-huh. fishmongers, yep. you have truffle mongers. Yep. Like there should be more mongering. Let's monger. I'm a bookmonger. Yeah, you're point. you're a bookmonger. <laughs> Brian, me bring you a fine book. I bring you a fine it book. It pairs for your, well for Thanksgiving dinner. It pairs well with depression. <laughs> um. So yeah. So. The- this I can't even describe to you. It goes. There's so much. She just keeps writing because again, food writer, food writing about truffles and the the going. Do on the you hunt. think the writer was trying to show off that she could be a food writer, or do you think that she uh, forgot that she's writing about a serial killer? I don't know what it is. Okay. Um, let's see. So then we meet this guy. His name's Giovanni. Um, because he's like their tour guide when they're going out looking for truffles. Because he's a stereotype. Got it. And they start fucking and eating. Okay. Because that's what she loves to do. Because he's Italian. Eat, dude. Let's go. My um, name's Dorothy Daniels. Italian men find me irresistible. <laughs> she. I'm like unbroken pasta. <laughs> yeah, they're they're completely fine until they get a little hot and wet. Oh. And then they're wrapped around my finger and I throw them at the wall to see if they stick. I think you did read this book. <laughs> is, is that that sounds close? like it sounds pretty close. Is that pretty close to how she writes? Yeah. Okay. Um. So we meet this guy Giovanni and immediately she lets us know that she killed Giovanni. She killed him. Oh, okay. They, they fuck, they eat, and then she killed him. And she That's ate, only the second murder for a serial killer book. she ate his liver. Okay, so now out of nowhere, she's just into eating body parts? Okay, so this this is the first time we're going to eat uh, some body parts. Okay, but why? Um, 
that is never truly explained. But like, okay. So, because this is my question, right? The first guy that we're introduced to, I'm mm-hmm. assuming is sometime in the later in the 2000s. Yeah. She murders him, lights the whole building on Doesn't fire. Doesn't eat any of that guy. Doesn't eat him at all. No. But now, and then she has all these different guys she's blackmailing. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't kill the rapist. No. Doesn't kill or get revenge on him. No. Doesn't do anything to Marco, whose real name is David. Mm-hmm. But Giovanni, out of nowhere, it feels like this is her first murder. Yeah. But then she decides to eat him as well. Well, I think in the timeline, Giovanni is the first murder. Because this is 2000. Yeah, because Marco was the guy she was loving. Yeah. She didn't kill any of those guys in college. No. The guy from Fire Island, that is that opening that, of the book yes. is actually the end of the book. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I know that that's later. So Giovanni, I think, is our first real murder here. Okay. And so... But there's really no explanation. So basically, they got into a fight in a car. They were driving, beep, beep. Okay. And they're driving around in like a Fiat in Italy, as yeah. one does. Yeah. And they get into some type of argument, and he gets out of the car and storms away. And then she jumps over to the driver's side and drives away. And is like, I'm leaving your ass. Okay. Which, okay, for sure. But then she like, I guess, feels guilt or just decides to change her mind. She turns around and she's driving back. She's like, I gotta go, go, go get him. Can't leave him on the side of the road. Yeah. And when she sees him, instead of pulling over, she just hits the gas and runs his ass over. Oh, you know why? Why? You know why she killed him? Why? Because women are bad drivers. Oh. You can hear this and more at Matt Rife's comedy special. (laughs) What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, God. I programmed a lot of buttons today. I need you to stop with the buttons. You know that I cannot carry a train of thought these days. I know. Well, that's that's because the baby... Mr. Moopsie. Moopsie is He's been training your blood, your blood, and now you have the most pregnant brain possible. Um, so she just decides out of nowhere. So she hits the gas. Crime of passion, runs she him over. She runs him over. With his own car. With his own Fiat. And um, smashes him into the side of like the, the, like the railing on the okay. side of the road. And then um, she goes and she cuts his liver out of his body. And let me tell you something. She uses her wine key. Jesus. <laughs> I, this that might be the sense. only part of the book I laughed at was the sheer thought of someone trying to cut an organ or any flesh but with like, a fucking wine key. But the wine key knife it, is so small. It's so small. I don't think you can get deep oh, enough. And like, Which you, means she's coated in blood. Like a comical oh amount my God, of blood. She's, she has to be. And then oh, there's a part of this same like thing where she's discussing when she gets back to the car. She just like uses some Pellegrino to wash off her hands. And like, babes, there's no way you and that wine key aren't fucking the messiest. Oh, my God. So anyway, she uh, after she cuts out his liver with the wine key, she goes back to his apartment, Giovanni's apartment. And where she cooks his liver. Hold on, I wrote it down because I wanted to make sure I had all the recipes for our Thanksgiving listeners. Oh, that's good. Um, she cooks it in the Tuscan style. So the way you would prepare wild boar livers. So it was she turned it into a spread and smeared it on some crostini, which is what you would do with duck livers, by the way, um, and had it with, and this is an actual quote, a glass of good Chianti. Oh, fuck you. Like, straight up. I was even going to make a joke about Chianti. Uh-huh. She straight up was just like, yeah, here you go. There's uh-huh. the fucking Hannibal Lecter joke. There it is. Yeah. Fucking shut up. Um. So, yeah, she 
But then there was a little funny bit here where she complains that she had to add chicken fat to the recipe because his liver wasn't fatty enough, which she just suspected because he was vegan. <laughs> that's okay. That's pretty funny. It's like, what? Why are you coming for the vegans like this? Um, anyway, she cooks the liver at his apartment, uh, cleans up and then flies back to America. Um, and then never returns to Italy because she's Amanda Knox. Like what the hell is going on? Days later, Italian police call her. They say there's been a hit and run. He was found by a local farmer. She pretended to be shocked. White woman tears or something like that. She doesn't get caught. Of course. Well, she couldn't because she's not even in Italy anymore. Yeah. She left. She still goes back. Oh, she's always going back to see Marco. This is all. She's always going back. I hate her so much. So, oh wait, we're back to Emma. Uh, Emma's back. Um, yeah. She okay. So she like runs into Emma. Um, Emma's like protesting. Emma got radicalized in college, as yeah. one does after living with Dorothy. I would too. <laughs> so be like, there is no fairness. <laughs> Have you seen the way she writes about filet mignon? She said it's the best cut. Wow, this is a hill I'll die on. I know. <laughs> I know you hate filet mignon. <laughs> so bad. Um, What's so, your favorite cut? Explain to people what your favorite cut is. I got is. a lot of favorite cuts, but if I'm if somebody's gonna have a filet mignon, I'd rather have like a nice skirt steak. There you That's go. All I'm saying. Uh, there you go. Well, I just want to make sure. Yeah. That people understand where you're coming from on this. Yeah. Because I usually go with the filet because it's the one they can't really screw up in most places. Yeah. But if I go to a nicer place, mm. I'm not gonna get filet. No. I'm gonna get something good. Yes. Uh, with a bone. With a bone in it. You got to have a bone in it. Yeah. Um, not Giovanni's bones. Not Giovanni's bones. Okay. She didn't take the bones. She no, took the liver. Liver. So we, we're, ta- we're, we're meeting Emma again. There's like this whole backstory about like Emma's radicalized. She bails Emma out of jail from a protest. They like become friends again. Emma is like, we find out that Emma's like becoming, what is it? A, not a hypochondriac. What's it when you're like, want to stay home agoraphobic agoraphobic yeah. so like emma's becoming more and more agoraphobic because she's having these panic attacks but she's going to protest yeah i don't know okay. so she becomes a phone sex operator what oh. and- <laughs> god damn it and anyway it turns out emma's super good at it and she makes a lot of money emma's good at being a phone sex this operator? is in the late 90s when you can make a decent amount no, of this money this is clearly in the early 2000s whatever when you can make a lot of money post murdering giovanni right <sighs> I don't even know because it goes back and forth with the Emma storyline. Okay. Because well, we just keep getting reintroduced and then back introduced to Emma. Yeah. You know what's crazy? Mm. Uh, back in the day, like you didn't have to be like, you you could you could look like anything. Yeah. And make phone sex money. Yeah. Now you have to look good because it's all chat. Yeah. Uh, Only webcam. fans. It's webcam money. Yeah. So you have to look good. Yeah. Back or at in the least day, bit could, somebody's fetish. But back just, in the day, you could just you be could just anything. You could just describe yourself as pretty and Who, you were in. Yeah. People would call and be like, hi, yeah, me? No, I'm um, I'm 5'4 and I'm uh, Asian. Yep. Yeah, that's me. My name's Charlie. My name's Dorothy Daniels. Yeah. They call me Dee Dee. But now it's like, they'd be like, turn your camera on. I'd be like, no. No, thank you. Yeah. Um. So. So it's always been like this. Okay. Just let everybody know. Listen. I just have to finish this thought about Emma. Go ahead. Okay. She's a phone sex operator. She's very good at it. She makes a lot of money doing it. It's not really explained on how she has such a good skill or talent, but she does. She's also an artist. So she's like painting and stuff. Okay. And it turns out she is going to establish herself as one of the greatest American realism painters in America at this point. 
but she's a recluse so it actually makes her more popular because like her art will come out and be shown but nobody ever sees her because she refuses to leave her home but she's going to protest no the way that um dorothy found her again okay dorothy in a prequel says i ran into emma at a protest oh god i bailed her out Years later, we're still friends. She has become a recluse. Gotcha. Gotcha? Okay. okay. That took a lot. I know. Um, so now we're going to learn about Andrew. Okay. Who? Oh, yeah, the rich guy. I forgot okay. about him. Andrew, he's the one that was at Beignet. Yes. yes. And the- then she was covered in cum. Yeah. I remember. Okay. Um, Hold on real quick. <laughs> That's Andrew's cum. That's what that sounds like. Because he's rich. So he's the magazine owner. Yes. And they have been sleeping together on and off this entire time. Okay. Like they're just always in and out of it. Right. But then I guess they stop because Andrew falls in love with Dorothy's administrative assistant. Because again, Dorothy's like at this point a very successful food writer and food um, critique or what's the word? There's a word. Critic. Food critic. And so she has an administrative assistant at the office. Whoever, I don't know. I didn't write her name down. Um, but Andrew falls in love with her. Her name's something young. And this upset Dorothy. Because again, Dorothy doesn't acknowledge that she likes Andrew. She she doesn't acknowledge that it hurt or any of that. She's just like, I just need to get revenge on him. And like, again, the dates are so wonky to follow. But when she decides she's going to exact her revenge on Andrew, it's way later. Like, Andrew married this administrative assistant. They had two kids. They got divorced. They owned two separate houses, like two different brownstones. Like, it's been a fucking while. Okay. And she's still just, like, harboring this grudge. And at this point, Dorothy Daniels is like, yeah, at this point, I'm, like, 57 years old. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay. And so she runs into him accidentally she does it on purpose she like like follows stalks him and finds him on the street and then pretends to run into him and of course they run into each other it's been so long they eat and fuck as they do and while they're eating and fucking she's coming up with a plan and basically her plan is she slips him a bunch of xanax in the food she cooks (laughs) and then and he can't taste it because she's a bad cook hey oh wow i need you to stop with your matt rife comedy okay (laughs) okay so um it's not funny when you say it to me (laughs) hurts my feelings yeah why don't you just pander to all the boys instead of trying to make the girls giggle (laughs) um pander to people you dumb shit no i like burning money (laughs) (laughs) um so she slips a bunch of xanax right and then go okay he passes out after their dinner and fucking from the xannies and then she leaves the house. She also could have just waited because it sounds like they're both in their mid fifties. And after a big dinner she and some sex, take a sleep. he would have just gone to sleep. Just to sleep. He didn't have to zanny him, but she zannied him up. Zanny bars, zanny bars, zanny bars. Oh man! Okay, Wait, can I tell you a funny story? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'm gonna not gonna name this friend, but she might listen to this episode. But we have a friend that moved to Philadelphia from well out of state. Yeah, and she grew up in a very different rural setting than Philadelphia is. Yeah. And when she first moved here, there was, uh, uh, let's call them a small business owner on yep. the street corner, mm-hmm. um, selling his wares. And he just kept saying, perks, perks, perks. 
As she was walking by, she kept going to herself. Well, what are the perks he's describing? Like, like the bonuses <laughs> you would get for and shopping she there. Was deeply confused as to what the perks he was trying to sell outside of the store because she thought he worked at the store. Not that it was Percocet. Oh, and I was when she just told me that. Oh, like that was the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um. Okay. So anyway. Okay. So she gives him the zannies and dinner. And then she leaves the house, but she has a key. So she comes back in. I don't know why. She lays down a tarp on his bed, rolls him onto the tarp. And then when he's on the plastic tarp, oh, also she had, um, she she leaves again after the tarp thing, but she blows out the pilot light so that carbon monoxide will fill the house and that he'll die from carbon monoxide poisoning, not the zannies. But now she's put him on a tarp. Yes, for some reason. So it's not like there's any point. And he has Danny's in a system. Listen to me. She's stupid. So then, after the carbon monoxide is in a system for a while, he, I guess, uh, how do you say that word? He chokes. He chokes. Thank you. Um, so then she gets a knife, and guess what she does? Cuts out his liver. Slices off his butt cheeks. What? Because she wants some of that rump roast. So she cuts his butt off. But what was the point of... You could have just done... Okay. So she cuts his butt off. And then um, she puts it in her bag. And wraps it up and puts it in her bag. And then he has like two dogs. And she lets the two dogs into his room. So they start gnawing on his butt. They were uh, dachshunds too. Which is very funny to picture. That's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Two little dachshunds. How did she eat the rump roast? Let me tell you. Extra virgin olive oil. Red wine. Thyme. Lemon and garlic. Seared with Yukon gold potatoes and asparagus. She ruined potatoes. (laughs) You can't ruin potatoes. That was Andrew's rump roast. Um, Oh, my God. So. And he did the great sin of giving her a job. Yeah. Okay. And then, like, going on and having a life because they weren't actually in a relationship together. Yeah. Because all she does is blackmail everyone she fucks. And just flies around the globe eating and fucking. So, like, why would you think you're in a relationship? So, in timeline now, we're up to two murders. We're in two murders. Okay. Giovanni and Andrew. We know a third is coming eventually. Yeah. So, then at some point after this. Also, it doesn't feel like, did it at any point in time for the Andrew one, she's like, because I'm thirsty for human flesh. No, she never talks about human flesh as being like It's just a thing she happens to do because she's a foodie. Yeah, it's more of like this delicacy, like foie gras. It's like, I yeah. shouldn't want to eat it. No, no, but it's not like, but she's not like hungry for it. She's not a cannibal no. in the idea of like, oh, I, it's been a week since I've eaten human flesh. Yeah, it's, they're not. She's like, oh yeah, I've killed, I'm here to, I'm killing you. I've killed you. Yeah. You know what? You're not using that. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah. But like, it's not like, remember on It's Always Sunny when D and uh, with, was it Charlie and D or Mac and D get addicted to raccoon meat? Turns out they had rabies, but they th- or no, they thought it was human meat, and they're just like rabid for you human. No, I don't know that. And they're just like, there's a whole episode where they're just rabid for human meat and trying to eat human meat. It turns out they just have rabies from raccoon bites or something. She's not like that. She's not rabid for human meat. No, but I mean, like, there isn't even like a vampire style thing where no. it's just like I'm hung this hunger. I it's, have. It's just that she's so pretentious about food. Ugh. That she wants to have food that other people can't have because she's just so pretentious about food. I hate her. All right. Um, so Andrew's dead. Andrew's Giovanni's dead. dead. Um, Marco's still out there. Marco's and so still is Emma. killing it. Um, now, she also had started at some point working at 
she stopped working at Noir after that administrative assistant situation, right? Yeah, which and is she why went, she could kill Andrew. And went and started working at this restaurant called Eat and Drink Magazine. What a title. Yeah. Um, so not a restaurant. She's working at a publication. A publication. Still writing. Eat and yep. Drink Magazine. Now, she actually gets fired from Eat and Drink Magazine. So real quick, though. Okay, wait. No, let uh, me finish my thought. Gotcha. Is that she gets fired because we're at some point in the 2000s where they're starting to realize that nobody's reading these fucking magazines anymore. That's exactly what I was about to say. Thank you. That's why I needed to finish because I knew what you were going to say. Yeah. Um, and they're like, listen, we're moving to blogs. We're moving to digital. We're moving to this. And they can sense from her that she's not about that because she's at this point an older woman and she doesn't like she really wants to write books and she wants to go to the restaurants and sneak in three times and wearing costumes to like review them. Yeah. And they're like people don't like that anymore. They want to go to eater.com and see a quick review. They're, re- they're literally reading comments and star ratings. Yeah. They're like Yelp exists now. Yeah. So, oof. so she gets fired from Eat and Drink magazine. Now, when she was working at Eat and Drink, the, what's his name? Publisher. His name was Gil, G-I-L. Okay. Write that down. Because they're all so fucking. She's fucking Gil? She's fucking Gil, She's fucking a man named Gil. And she's having a great time doing it. She likes Gil? She loves fucking Gil. Does she fuck Gil and then talk about uh, having sex with Gil while covered in his cum? Um, we don't hear a lot about his cum, okay. but we hear about how like Gil is like described as like, there's a really kind of like a nice guy. He almost reminds me of like a big bear guy and he's like funny and jovial and really nice and friendly. But so then, he's, so he's Jason Kelsey coded. Yeah. Jason okay. Kelsey coded. But when they get home, he's a freak in the sheets. Oh, so she likes him because he's a uh, super freaky deaky, uh, at bedtime. Gotcha. So I feel like he's more of a. I swear to God. I didn't know what that was going to sound like. It just said. (laughs) If you hit another button. It just said dream. And you don't know what it sounds like. It just said dream. Uh, He was a dream. This goes out to Gil. (laughs) So. That he's the reverse. Because listen, if if this was, if this was Andrew Gotten. Yeah. This is Gil. Okay. (laughs) Get that money. So. He likes kinky stuff in bed and he likes food, but also like the way she describes it is that he doesn't, he doesn't have a good palate the way she does. And she takes full credit for his like knowledge of food. So like every time they talk about it, like again, she's just so pretentious. So like she's like, yeah, he only knows that like these three different salts taste differently because I explained that to him. You know, like it's very that. Um, So she likes Gil and they have a long relationship. So it's our relationship. <laughs> what you're describing is is you d- explaining regular pepper versus lemon pepper to me. Uh huh. Oh, recently mango pepper. Mango. Pretty excited about one. mango pepper. Yeah. Um, Dorothy and Gil go out in a sailboat to Gardner's Bay. Okay. They have a nice little lunch. They brought food. Beautiful day out in the boat on and the she water. Kills him. She poisons his food because he has an allergy uh-huh. to what's that figs? And I was like, I don't even think you can be allergic to figs. I'm deeply confused, but apparently he's allergic to figs. And he goes into anaphylactic shock. And when he goes into anaphylactic shock, she pushes him over the boat so that he'll drown. And she wants to make sure he has water in his lungs. So this is actually a very funny part of this book because she fails. She it's like very uh, like she's she blunders about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. She, 
he's a huge fucking dude. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. He's Jason Kelsey big. Yeah. And she is an older lady. And like she cannot wrangle this body once it's in the water. And so there's like pages and pages of her trying desperately to fucking get this body where she needs this body to be. And also she wants to cut out his tongue to eat it. So it's like this whole thing about how like she can't get him because his life jacket's too big and he's too big. And it turns out when you go into anaphylactic shock, part of that type of food allergy is actually your your tongue swells. Yeah. Your throat. So his tongue is bigger than it's ever been. And she's desperately trying to cut this thing out of his face. It is ridiculous but again again she's cutting parts off the bodies yeah mm-hmm. like how do you think this is supposed to work lady when you're cutting their butt cheeks off and feeding them to dogs right or you're cutting their liver out uh-huh. after hitting them with a car uh-huh. but you're like the carbon monoxide did it you cut his asshole out <laughs> and then in this case oh he went to anaphylactic shock and then he drowned and then what happened how did he lose his tongue I'm going to officiate it? I don't really know. Yeah, how the fuck? Like, like her cover is dumb. Like, it just doesn't make sense. If this was more like Dexter, where it's like, and then I cut them up, and I drop them yeah. into a specific part of the water or whatever, if there was something like that that made sense, yes, but nothing of this makes sense whatsoever. It's like, it's like three quarters of American Psycho. Yeah. It's like, they don't even get to the part that makes sense. And then the people she's killing, it doesn't, again, also, she's just bored with them at a certain point? Like, I'm going to kill and eat them now. Yeah, like, I don't know why she killed Gil. What he pairs, seemed like a nice guy. What pairs well with tongue? Okay, um, so she made it into a stew with olives and ripe tomatoes. Here's the other thing. It's like, they're copying Hannibal Lecter so much in the way that she speaks, in the, the Chianti I was waiting for a fava bean to show up at any moment. But like Hannibal Lecter for being a bad guy, he is like really cool and eloquent and he's like charming and creepy and haunting. He's like, it's like Anthony Hopkins plays that character so well that you're like, you can't take your eyes off of him when he's on screen, when he's talking about eating someone or he's doing something fucking insane. You're like Hannibal Lecter by Anthony Hopkins is an incredibly charismatic character and Dorothy Daniels is not. <laughs> and so as you're as you're me trying to read this book, you're just like, God, why are you not cool? Like you're a villain, but you're not cool at all. Um now, okay. She kills Gil, she eats his tongue, whatever. Um now, all this time, she still wants to be with Marco. She can't admit this to herself, but she wants to be with Marco. And at this point in life, Marco doesn't want to sneak around anymore. He doesn't want to fuck around on his wife. I assume it's because he's getting older. Also, Marco is incredibly successful at his job. And so we start to learn about um, this business that Marco owns in, in Rome. And that like it's really, really successful. And so she makes a plan that she's going to, as part of this book she's writing about Italian food, she's going to go tour his facilities as a writer, as a professional. So again, we're... I'm not coming to sleep with you, Marco. I just want to write about your um, butcher shop in my book because it's so successful. And so she goes there. They keep it very professional. He is very much like, I'm not fucking with you. I'm, you know, this is, we're going on tours. We're doing this. I'm showing you the facilities. I'm showing you this. And like, he's not playing around. And she is becoming more and more enraged that he won't like go to the hotel with her and he won't flirt with her. He's like, 
she's just like cannot handle that he's like no yeah i'm busy um and the butcher shop thing is actually was one of the only interesting parts about like i think the whole book to me because he uh, like i said he was he's a jewish orthodox butcher and basically what he did was his uh small butcher shop that was his family butcher shop for like centuries he bought a slaughterhouse nearby and what he did was he separate the slaughterhouse into two parts so that animals would walk through like you know one conveyor area and they had kosher butchers all certified in there in the kosher environment and if there was per se like if a knife slipped and like if you slice the stomach and any of that gets on the meat it's not kosher anymore right so like if somebody made a mistake they would actually just take that meat product to the other side and then they would process it for goyim (laughs) so yeah he but the way that they he marketed that other side was like organic free range slow slow cooking like that whole thing so he was marketing the kosher style the kosher cleanliness but that it wasn't certified kosher it was certified like organic free range or whatever so he was making money on both sides yeah 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 it was a badass. I was like, yo, honestly, this is this is. It lit. reminds me a lot of, I know a guy who owns a uh, paper shredding company. Yeah. So he goes to buildings and he empties the, the paper. So like if you go to like a medical facility or a bank, he takes all the paper and he puts these giant shredders that dump mm-hmm. them into his truck. Yeah. He then takes all of that shredded material mm-hmm. and he sells it to recyclers <laughs> who turn it into wood pulp, uh-huh. who then turn it again back into paper that then gets fucking reshredded. Yeah. So, but the thing is, is like the medical places, the banks, the people who need to get this stuff out of their building, they're paying him to take it. Yeah. And then someone else is paying him to deliver it. Love it. So he's just, all he has to worry about is getting gas in the truck. <laughs> That's all the fuck he has to carry about. And I was like, this is insane. Cause he told me, he showed me one time how much he was making. And he was like, yeah, if he's like, listen to if you have $125,000, you can start. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, listen. So anyway, we, we learn all about Marco's business. She's keeping it kind of professional, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, her internal monologue, she is fucking insane. She's like, he doesn't know that he's playing a game with me and he's got, he's making decisions on the, on the chess moves and like, this man, this man does not. He's like, anyway, over here, this is where we uh yeah. keep the sheep. Yeah. Uh, over here, this is where we keep the wrapping paper. For okay. The meat. So, so what did she do? She pushed him in a wheat thresher. What happens so, here? So one night uh, during this trip, it appears Marco loses his resolve, and he just is like, God, Dorothy Daniels, I got to get in that. Um, and so he's like, I let's let's meet up. On Friday night, because it's the Sabbath, no one will be around. Mm-hmm. I'll meet you at my processing plant, and we can get it on. So Dorothy arrives there first, and she walks in. She's looking around, blah blah. blah and they start, you know, making out, kissing, start fucking. And while they're doing that, she cuffs Marco and slits his throat to kill him. Okay. Okay. And then this part of the book, I don't even. <laughs> I I I could not describe to you why um in detail because my brain doesn't work right now but this part of the book felt incredibly anti-semitic because she slaughters him kosher and it is described in full detail 
how she does this. And I was just like, well, this is terrible. And I don't like it. I don't like the way it makes me feel when I'm reading it. I don't like that at all. And then when she's selecting her meat parts that she's going to take, she takes his pectoral and his stomach. And the pectoral muscle would be what we would consider brisket. So she makes a brisket out of him. Okay. And I was just like, I don't like this at all. Yeah. It uh, hurts me. I don't don't know. Anyway, she eats the brisket with prunes and almonds. And then... um, uh, she didn't eat the stomach because it like was gross, so she just threw it away. And that's the end of the Marco story. <laughs> Let's take a break here. <laughs> okay, we're gonna take a little break. Yeah. Uh, and when we come back, we're gonna finish this. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's after this. It's literally only gonna be a couple minutes. <laughs> okay, good. But we're gonna take a break right here. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. Here we are. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Um, just so everyone knows, during that break, Alex said, I'm getting hungry. And then he went and found the bucket of uh, Halloween candy we still have around. And he's now eating Kit Kats. Hell yeah. <laughs> Listen, just because she's bad at describing food doesn't mean I can't just be hungry from life. <laughs> so um, this book sucks. Keep going. Okay. You're doing great. I enjoy the way you're describing it. Yeah. But like I've also been laying next to you in bed as you've been reading this thing, and now I understand why it took you so long. <laughs> because like I, the horny fairy book, yeah, I read that over like yeah, I, I devoured that book like yeah. pretty quickly, and I was comparing them in sizes and fonts. I'm like, there's no reason why. But I should have read you, mine way faster than you. Yeah, you should have. But it it was just too hard to get through. No, I know it sounds terrible, and it also um, just the way it's set up. So okay, we. Get back to America, <laughs> Marco. Oh, also the other thing is after after she kills Marco, she like um, uses his blood to like paint satanic symbols to make it look like a, like a satanist did it. Okay. So just a weird little thing she did, and then she flies back to America. Obviously, uh, back to New York, covered in his blood. I, yeah, that's the thing. It's like every single one of these. It involves her being like caked head to toe in blood. Yeah, nobody's noticing. Um, so when she gets back to America, she's chilling, she's writing her book, she's doing her thing, and she gets contacted by a policewoman who asks, wants to know how she knows uh, Casimir. And the detective is from Suffolk County, which is not New York, which makes her concerned, which is very funny, because she goes in this whole thing about how, like, this is a cop from Fire Island, 
not a New York City cop. And I was like, honestly, I'd be more concerned if it was New York City cop <laughs> for murder. Maybe. You think sub- suburb cops, you gotta look out for a traffic because they got nothing else to do. Yeah, but I murder, mean. Murder, I don't know. But Suffolk County, I don't know. I don't know Suffolk County that well. But what I will say is that means that Casimir was murdered before Marco. Mm, right. So right. she returns. So Casimir was number four. Marco was number five. Yeah. Marco okay. was probably the final because she was deeply in love with him. She just didn't know it. Yeah. Um. So she, Dorothy starts to panic a bit, feeling a little cornered because she doesn't know how the cop could have gotten her real name because when she was um, messing around with Casimir, she used a fake name. I think it was Diana. I want to be honest with you. I think it was Diana. I bet she went by Diana Daniels. I though, bet like she a did too. Idiot. Like, oh God. Um, so she was using a fake name. So she's like, I don't even know how you got my name, my number. Like, how did I, how did this woman figure this out? So she's starting to like get a little panicky about like, how yeah. did they figure out this? Of all, you know what she should do? She should flee to Italy. <laughs> they don't have extradition. Um, oh no, she oh, gets to no. Italy. I have to flee to America now. Um, Living in the Atlantic. So she's getting really paranoid and going into like tangents in her head and she decides she needs to like chill out and find like normal relief by hanging out with her bestie Emma. So Emma's back. Oh no, poor Emma. And she gets drunk with Emma and they get like they party already and they get a little drunk and they eat like banana bread or something. I think the title of this chapter is literally called Banana Bread and the next day she comes to... Oh, is the banana bread actually made from Andrew's penis? No. But each chapter is has like a Yeah, name. a name for... Yeah, I see um, Rump Roast was one of them. So they get a little drunk. It was by a lot of drunk. And then the next day, um, Dorothy starts to believe that maybe she admitted everything to Emma. That oh, she no. told her the truth about all the murders and the butt eating and all that shit. Um, so now Emma's on the list. So the cops are asking more questions. They show up. They want to do an interview. They're like, they're really starting to like hammer her down. And Dorothy is getting crazier and crazier paranoid about everything. The cops, yeah. Emma. She starts to believe that Emma betrayed her. And she thinks that Emma reported her to the cops because of the like the drunken night where she believes she admitted everything. She doesn't remember because she was blackout drunk, but she believes she admitted everything to Emma. Gotcha. Whatever. So she decides that she needs to kill Emma, her best friend. Um, so she breaks into Emma's apartment with a meat cleaver. Not subtle. Not even a little subtle. Just carrying a meat cleaver. Breaks into her apartment um she had no plan she because she's like full manic state okay no plan other than emma must die like basically meanwhile emma's agoraphobic now yeah and And then the only person in the world she trusts bursts through the wall like the fucking kool-aid man with a meat cleaver (laughs) screaming you know what i did and emma's like what are you talking about right am am i close you're pretty close so thing is is in the scene, uh, what's her name? Dorothy goes up because like it's like kind of late at night, and so she's like goes up to the bedroom, and there's like there's Emma asleep in bed, and she's gonna meet. She's got the cleaver. She's gonna stop. I'm gonna fucking kill you. And then it turns out that Emma actually was just like out on the fire escape smoking, <laughs> so she was looking in. 
And she was like, what the fuck? She has like a body pillow or something yeah. like that? Yeah, she just that? has like, a, like a big pillow. And yeah, that's like, what I mean. Like there's a, probably like a body pillow. But Dorothy's so manic that she's just like, that must be her in the bed. But also a meat cleaver isn't what you use to kill somebody. Like no. the meat cleaver's for afterwards. Like you use a butcher knife to begin with because you got to get the stab through the body. Why do you know that? You've taught me this. <laughs> Smart. You've taught me this when you were like like cutting chickens. I was up and like, stuff we like got to spatchcock this turkey. Yeah, you're like, you use this to be able to break through the bone and all these things here. Yeah. If you go in with a meat cleaver, it looks scary. Yeah, it looks cool. But it's not going to be sharp not enough. Not efficient. Also, we watched that one episode of America's Test Kitchen about it. Oh, yeah. They went through all the cleavers. And then I found the one that they kept talking about was the best one. And I went to go try to buy it, but it was sold out. It was like $340. Yeah, they're expensive. I was like, how is it sold out? Um, So also, okay, so like she's out there smoking, watching this. And then. How is she smoking if she's agoraphobic? Who's bringing her cigarettes? She has like all that shit delivered. There's, It's explained. Like she has friends and shit that bring her stuff. All right. Um, So then. I'm a phone sex artist. Um, so then it's like, okay, so when she breaks into this apartment, it turns out that Emma, because she's agoraphobic, had like a security system and the security system had called the police. So the police show up and they arrest Dorothy for attempted murder. Yo, you know what? What? Applause. We're all very happy about that. I think we're going to, we're going to applauding the NYPD. Here we go. Yeah, no, that's what I'm doing. Just because, listen, they uh, they arrested a woman holding a meat cleaver who just stabbed a pillow to death <laughs> while screaming, "You know how I killed those five other men." Um, congratulations Dor- on solving the case, Emma. Dorothy goes to trial. Uh, the the whole chapter is about her going to trial. She loves her lawyer. She's like gets really like weirdly enmeshed with her lawyer's life. It's fucking weird. I just don't even care enough. And um. Emma does have to testify against her, but she she doesn't. She claims to not know anything, even though we do find out later that she that Dorothy had gotten really drunk and told Emma everything. But Emma was just like, I'm never going to tell your secrets because you're my best friend. So Emma sucks. Emma didn't say anything on when she was testifying. And we find out the, the basically the closing scene is we find out during the court hearing that the reason that that detective was able to place Dorothy at the scene of the crime back at Fire Island was because there was a receipt for a really uh, fancy like local butcher shop up there where she had went to bought um, the meat and the foie gras for her and Casimir and she had an account with them so her name was on the receipt and that receipt had gotten stuck to like the inside top lid of the garbage can Oh. So when she burned it down, the garbage can didn't like the garbage can was fine. Yeah. And when the detectives opened the garbage can, there was a receipt kind of like stuck to the lid inside. And they looked at it and was like, oh, this woman, Dorothy, has an account. Yeah. Like who's who's Dorothy Daniels and yeah. why is she? Why is she in the stranger's house that she doesn't know? Yeah. And that's how they pinned it on her was a butcher shop receipt. And that's the end of the book. OK. Uh <laughs> No. Just want to remind her. <laughs> that was supposed to be for cummy tummies. No, that's how this is ending. It's sad cum. That's how I was gonna remember this book as. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's that's the the Thanksgiving feasting book. This is the worst book. <laughs> this is the worst book. 
This is the absolute worst oh, book. Oh, no. Out of all of the books. Listen, I want to apologize to our listener. I know you sent this to me. I'm sorry that we don't like it. <laughs> I fucking hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, here, do, do yourself a favor. Flip it over real yeah. quick. Flip the book over. Okay. You see the author? The yeah. picture of the author? Yeah. That is Dorothy Daniels. I know. That is like when I looked at it and then read, look, read their bio and read the end of the bio about how many different publications they've worked for. Uh, and I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I understand that's the life of a freelancer, but also like that's the life of somebody who is really looking back on like the, the, you know, late eighties through the nineties into the two thousands and missing the golden era of fucking magazines. Of truffles and magazines. Truffles and magazines. Honestly, I do miss magazines and I could eat so truffles. So here's what I miss about magazines is I worked at uh, Borders Books. Yeah. And when I worked there, one of the things we used to do, I think it was Tuesdays or Wednesdays. We would pull all the magazines, yeah. the bat, like the ones that didn't sell, and we'd tear the covers off, and we'd mail the covers back to the publishers because that yeah. meant if we mailed the the cover back, we weren't paying for it. Yeah, because you didn't pay, you only paid out what sold for magazines. So we'd do that every week, and we would just sit there. We would just tear thousands of fucking magazine covers. The amount of magazines that we trashed a week was insane. That makes me really mad. It was about crazy. all that waste. It was crazy, but also like there was a point where there was there was three magazines for every hobby. Yeah, I remember there be- we had doily monthly, not doilies. We had doily weekly. Oh, for, for what you need it more than and one we had month. doily quarterly. <sighs> and I remember sitting there being like, one of these would cover all of doilies. Doily daily. Yeah, like Why, I, who who missed the opportunity for doily daily? Listen, it was so much. It was. It I just miss wild. like I just miss like reading a magazine. Well, you know what I because you because now we just look at our phones when you're pooping. Yeah, but it used to be you had like a little thing in the magazine rack. Well, you know what I don't like is when I go to Barnes and Noble, right? And they do have a magazine section, but they're not really magazines. No, they're not weekly or monthly. They're all like basically thin books that are like twenty five dollars now. Yeah, they're very expensive. And they'll be like, oh yeah, this is uh, who's the lady who just died from Three's Company. Oh, Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. They made a Suzanne Summers book. Like life, it's Suzanne Summers life. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, no one's really going to buy 10,000 copies of this in hardback. So, but we'll print a People magazine of all the photos we have of her. Yeah. We'll do one of like the life. Here's all of the Mad Magazine jokes that involved wrestling. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I saw that like as a magazine. It's just like made me miss like the old ones. But also the other thing with magazines though, because of phones... Anytime I do pick up a magazine, I'm like, this is pointless. Yeah. Because I'm like, everything in here is out. I know for a fact is outdated as of the minute it was printed. Yeah. Like we have, we have new information, like especially when it comes to news and things like that. But I miss, you know, when I used to do hobbies, white dwarf magazine. I still magazine. read uh, a Food Network magazine because it goes to your parents house yeah and i whenever we go there i'm like i'm gonna read that food network magazine. but also that's recipes though that's different like that there's certain things like that though that are like more seasonal i need to know what rachel ray is up to yeah okay she's doing stuff yeah um so yeah she's making dog food (laughs) rachel ray makes dog food and it it will always weird me out it's just really funny that she went from being like a food person to being like i make dog food that is such a fall from grace what do you mean fall from grace that you went from like writing recipes for humans to eat to be like I make dog food. That's that's I a bet, weird. I guarantee she you, makes a lot of money, she though. makes more money on the dog food than she ever did on oh, human food. Oh, for sure. Because her old thing was twenty minute meals. Yeah. Which still fair. 
Bet. That's great. Yeah. But like she really wasn't selling that much of the actual food. No, no, no. It was really about selling those cookbooks and, she and was selling like, the lifestyle. She was like Kelly Clarkson of food. She was, yeah. She's Kelly Clarkson of food. Yeah. Anyway, that is my episode for Thanksgiving. It was about lots of sex, lots of food. Honestly, if you're interested in reading it, you could have a good time. I, I personally didn't have a good time because it was like reading the longest review of a restaurant. What was that thing we used, that used to read the reviews on for restaurants? It was like the, the tire guide, the Michelin guide. Yeah. It was like reading one of those forever. Mm. Um, but anyway, all the things aside, it was fun to tell it to you. It's fun to tell it to the listeners. I am grateful that uh, our listener mailed this book into us so I could read it. You know what it is? Even though it wasn't the funnest book of the book. You know what it is? As I'm but, reading the back, because the way they're selling it, and it's definitely what they were going for, this is the foodie version of American Psycho. Yeah. The end. And the American Psycho, the book versus the movie and those different things are like... The people who actually understand it get it. Yeah. And the people who don't love it. And I bet you there's people who actually don't understand this book who actually really, really love it. And they're never going to get a reservation to Dorsa. Wow. <laughs> to our listeners, I do want to say thank you so much to everybody. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you guys. Have a, uh, hope you have a great time. I hope I hope it's, the family was okay. Mashed potatoes. Yep. Sweet potatoes. Yep. Pies. Yep. Uh, macaroni and cheese. Green beans, stuffing, dressing, turkey, ham. I'm going to play you off now or else we're never going to end. Smoke turkey legs. Thank you to all the Patreons. The difference between dressing and stuffing, that's an argument. Thank right you there. for all the listeners, both old and new. I like roasted carrots with ginger and uh, cinnamon and garlic and a lot of butter. And last but not Let's least, that. thank you to Mrs. Pearlmania <laughs> for reading this book with her maternity brain and all. <laughs> We appreciate you. We love you. Thank and you. we will see you guys later in the week. Have a good one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.